I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But we ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be root, not sorry, that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Well, thank you. Jan, and good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's great to see you here on this beautiful day. And um, uh, isn't it lovely to walk into church and not freeze? Just, just putting it out there, you know. We had a wonderful prayer meeting uh, and worship time on Wednesday night. And again, you know, 7.30 to 8.30 on it's raining, it's freezing outside. You walk and you go, ha. Ah. Somehow it's just easier to connect with God when you're not shivering and, you know, shaking. I don't know. It's, call me weak. But there we go. So uh, we have a special treat for you this morning because we're a slightly smaller group. We're actually going to do, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, something we've been working on for a while and uh, before we get into the sermon. And uh, it is, uh, we're, we're doing a soft launch of an app for church that's going to become a one-stop place where you can... Um, connect with the church in whatever way you like. And so uh, there's a shot of my phone and you'll see, can anyone spot on that screen the church app? Yes, you can see it. Yeah, there we go. Church app. That's with our little logo down there. So you see, you click on it and it looks like that. And, uh, and it's pretty, can you all see, you can see that adequately, can't you? Okay. So it's pretty cool. If you, uh, if you go to the church app, you click on there and it'll give you um, just a general bit of blurb and insight about us, sort of a front page of who we are and what we're on about. You go down here, this is particularly interesting um, because I know you're all super organized, but this, this is a, a church-wide calendar. So you see there it tells us that on June the 10th, it's the Queen's birthday public holiday. Isn't that exciting? Um, and there's going to be an updated calendar feed. So if ever you're sitting at home and you're like, I just feel the need to get involved in something today. What's on a church? And as we get busier and there's more stuff on, you can just bang on there. You can see what's happening at church. So how cool is that, hey? Uh, and you can look back and see all the things you missed out on, like the newcomers. Oh, no, that's coming up. I lied. Look at this. If you're visiting uh, newcomers pub night, here we go. July, there we go. And look at this. You can just tap on there and add it to your calendar straight away. Just bang into your calendar. Off you go. It's really, uh, it's very cool. Um, what else is coming up? Ah, oh, 
The Holy Spirit Day. We run Alpha July the 6th. There we go, 9.30 to 3. And it'll even tell you where to go. Uh, it shows you. It's just very cool, right? So how awesome is that? Um, go down here, uh, a little, the little tile called Member Services. You click on that. And what do you think that takes you into? It takes you into Elvanto. So that is our church management system before you had to log in there. So you log in once using your existing login details. You click remember and it'll remind you of that. And what's particularly beautiful about this is it takes you straight to the things you're rostered on to do. Now, I look around here and you guys are all faithful and you're across all your rosters, but we're a volunteer organization. We have, we have so many people involved in so much stuff. And uh, isn't it helpful that now you can just go to there and you can, oh, what am I on to do? I'm, I, apparently I'm on to do a bit. Jeez, I'm preaching. Okay, that's good that that reminded me of this. So there we go, Alvanto. Uh, and there's more than that, actually. Um, you can click on this little tab, and uh, it can take you into some of the other features of our church management system, including, I don't know if you can see this, there's a little thing here called the member directory. And you can find people in the church, right? Now, what's going to happen as we, this is just a little soft launch for a smaller group of the app. As we roll it out across the church, we're going to do an update of our database and give you all an opportunity to opt into the member directory if you'd like, because it's a, you know, if you want to be found by people at church, this is how you can be found. So instead of sending me a text going, Mark, can you send me the email, the, the um, phone number of so-and-so, you can just check your app and then you can connect with them through the app. Okay. Um, has a Bible, like that's cool, and various versions of the Bible, so embedded in the app. So when you come to church, you're a small group, and you can just go there. Uh, and then, uh, this is pretty cool, I think, has a little, the little tile down the bottom is notes, and uh, that's going to be a place where you can take notes, um, and sermon notes, outlines, all that sort of stuff, any seminars we put on, we'll make the notes available. So this is just a soft launch, we haven't got organized, but just to give you an idea, uh, this is the outline for today's sermon coming up, even as I speak. And I just banged it up, but I wasn't too organized. So normally, like in time, we'll have the little logo there, make space. And then to be wise with money, I will make a plan, save for tomorrow, give to God. But we can put quotes and all sorts of other things in that. But wait, it gets even cleverer. Because uh, you can you see the little tab that says save to notes, right? So you save it to your notes. And look, it's going to say you can open it in your favorite note-taking app. So I'm going to add it to notes, and uh, I'm going to choose a note. Okay, I'm going to go to a new note, save, and then uh, I'll go find notes, right? And there we go. To be wise with money, I will. Now I can take notes, and uh, you can just put stuff down like, you know, stuff like that, you know, just, uh, just super helpful stuff. Um, that you want to share with other people, right? So isn't that cool? I thought that was quite handy. You don't have to write that particular note down. It's not a key part of the sermon. I'm just making fun of myself there, okay? Uh, so there's that. Um, what else have we got? Okay, then down the very bottom, you can see here, there's, uh, there's some tabs down the bottom. Uh, there's a little tab that says sermons. So if ever you've missed a Sunday and you want to listen to the sermons online, there they all are. And you can just scroll through and... So, and and I, this is a money-back guaranteed cure for insomnia. 
So uh, you just go and, you know, I've been putting people to sleep for 20 years. So uh, there we go. We've also got, uh, you can then click takes you back to the home. There's a news feed. You click on the news feed and that's going to pull in all the stuff from the various social media platforms we use, Instagram, Facebook, um, Tinder. I mean, uh, um, the, our blogs. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, calendar. So that's where all the kind of social stuff comes in. And when we want to do notices like updates to the church, it'll also plug in there. Um, there is also a little tab down here, if you can see the little heart, that's called Give. This will enable you, if you're sitting here and you go, oh, I'd like to, I feel God, I'd like to make a donation to church, or we're running a, a fundraising drive for IJM, or for another missions partner, or for Scripture, you can click on there and you see what comes up, bang, you can actually make a donation off your phone uh, using your credit card, and you'll see there we've got the drop-down for the Scripture fund, right? So I can, you know, we could do our end of financial year giving, let's give 500 bucks to scripture, right? And uh, you bang in your card number and can actually scan your credit card if you want, so it's all super easy, okay? Uh, Make sense? Super easy to do. Want to be helpful? Uh, And then there's more. If you want to go to another level of menu behind that, uh, you've got a, a... a few more things, and you can take you direct from here to our various social media platforms. One of the things that we're going to experiment with would be this prayer wall. Um, uh, Liz, Liz would like prayer for patience. So the Lord is, I do need extra blessings of patience, please. So, um, you know, we could all pray for her. But in time, I, I don't know how that will work. I, we're not really sure how well that's used, but, but I think that's quite a neat way to actually get prayer requests out if we want to. So there we go. So, and I, I figure this God is answering this because, you know, we all are very obstinate and difficult. So that is how Liz is earning, is getting more patience by putting up with all the rest of us, right? Isn't that how you get patience? <laughs> so be careful what you ask for for prayer. Are there any questions just uh, at a high level about the app? You can put it on the phone now. And uh, the way you do that... I know. Okay. You go to the app store or you go to this little thing here and it says share this app. And if you turn airdrop on, I can literally just airdrop it all to you now if you're on. Or um, there we go. Wendy, Keelan. Uh, And what it'll do is it will give you a, um, I don't know whose iPhone that is, but I'm going to send it to you anyway. Um, It'll give you a, a text that you open up in, a, in, a, in text and you click on the link and it'll take you to the app store. Or you can just look at um, Tidely Church app. Who else is coming up here? Someone declined. Huh? How do you make sure airdrops on? Can we do... Why don't we, is it, why don't we do this over morning tea? Let's do it over morning tea. I mean, it's fun, Darren. Beck's Beast. Didn't we do this on? We did this. You've, ah, oh, Beck's already on, man. Darren, you've got it. This is quite fun, church. That, What's the name of the app? The name of the app. In the it, it's tricky to find. It's not, it's, it's better. There, there's a link in this week's sermon, uh, this week's email update, and there's an Android version as well. So if you, if you like giving all your life's details to Google and being tracked by them all the way, uh, and you use Android, then you can do that as well. Uh, let me see. This is quite fun seeing who's... So is this everyone who's, who's sharing there? Okay. 
Someone, I feel rejected that someone declined. It was you, Tammy. You didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, no, here we go. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, oh, yay. I feel loved. Um, It's so funny. Ah, Melinda, there we go. That's you. No, that's another Melinda. We've got a couple of Melindas in the house. There we go. Waiting. Okay. Uh, and once you've got the app on your phone, you can share it with others as well. That's the beauty of it. Anyway, so, okay. <laughs> is it getting a bit hot or is it just me? <laughs> it, it's a bit warm. Okay. Yeah, I might just need to take my sweater off. Um, let's pray. Yes, I am, Jono. Can you all see that? Jono? <laughs> Are you preaching today? Yeah, I'm preaching. Just setting things up here. For... Let's pray. Lord God, uh, thank you that you love us so very much. Thank you for the extra space we get in our, in our lives this long weekend. Um, thank you. I mean, I know it's not actually her birthday, but we do thank you for Queen Elizabeth and this extraordinary woman who is such an amazing witness to you this steadfast faith in you in the midst of quite a, quite a remarkable life and all kinds of challenges. Um, she has been so faithful and so loyal and honest and committed to you in the midst of it all. So we just pray your blessing on her. And uh, we thank you for our time now and ask that you'll speak to us and help us to uh, make space in our lives financially. And we ask this in your great name, Lord. Amen. So, uh, biblically, what do you think is better than having a lot of money? Giving a lot of money. I like that, Jen. Yeah, you just go to the tab at the bottom of the app and hit that now. There's something the Bible says is better than money, and that is wisdom. So we're going to think together about how to become wise um, with our money. This is what... Uh, Proverbs 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver? So what's wisdom? Fear of the Lord. Yeah, that's a good start. Let's a few more words. Let's unpack it. That's, yeah, what else? What is wisdom, you think? Learning from the past, yeah. It's no right or wrong. I'm just this. Well, there is. But, yeah. Having insights into what was what to say or do in a particular situation. Yeah. So you can be very smart, can't you? You can have a lot of facts, but actually not be wise because wisdom is exactly that. It's about knowing how to act and behave in the moment, in the situation, with all its challenges. Uh, because here's the thing that I found in life, and the Bible's clear, and you've probably found it as well. Life is complicated and challenging and difficult. So the one-size-fits-all solution never really works. As soon, because here's, isn't it true? I, I don't know how, if those of you have had kids. I remember this clearly with our kids when they were younger. Just when you'd worked out, oh, what is it to be a parent of a, like a newborn? Then they're not a newborn, and now they're a six-month-old, and everything seems to change, and, and what worked then doesn't work now. And then you go, oh, what works when they're in you know, 
two, suddenly it's all different, and now they're at school. And so wisdom is knowing how to live well in all the changing situations of life. Because change they will. And uh, so God says, what I want you to do is learn how to be wise. And, and as a, a person of faith, biblical wisdom is, and it goes right back to the fear of the Lord, is saying, you know what? The key way I know how to live and well in the moment is by doing it in deep partnership and cooperation with God. That's the heart of it. Because uh, when I... And, and it sort of makes enormous intuitive sense, doesn't it? The, one of the biggest problems with living well in the moment is I have such limited knowledge, don't I? So uh, how do you know what to do? Um, it's just there's, our, our knowledge is so limited. Like, uh, I don't know, I, I find it's not so bad here. When we move to Canada, you go to North America. Have you ever gone shopping in a supermarket in North America? Like just your standard suburban supermarket, okay? Uh, and, you, and you go into like, I don't know, the breakfast cereal aisle. And there's like 500 breakfast cereals. I don't know which to buy because I don't know enough. What do you do? How do you, do you go through every one? Do you do a comparison of every one? Actually ditch them all and buy bacon and eggs. That's what you actually do. Okay. So then you go to the bacon section and there's like 200 different kinds of bacon. And you go, what do you do? You know, were the pigs happiest for this bacon or for that bacon? And how are they processed? And then clothes. How do you know what clothes to buy? How much should you spend on a, is it a really good value? Are you being ripped off? Are there slaves in the supply chain of this particular bit of clothing? You're going to, I don't know. What do you do? So our, our knowledge of life is so limited. And then, how do you know what the future outcomes are going to be, right? Like, um, I, I, yeah, how do you know? Do you, do you do this or do you do that? Well, you can't see the future. You can't know. So actually, uh, the Bible says to be really wise is to walk in close partnership with God because he's the God who knows the past, knows the present, knows the future because all of time is present in, in the moment to God. And if you work really closely with him, he'll guide you and help you to make wise decisions in the moment, right? That's, so that's, that's the path of faith, and it's the path of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is more important than riches. Riches come or go, but wisdom, wisdom is always yours. And we all know how easy it is to lose your riches, Right? Uh, but you don't lose your wisdom. In fact, isn't it true that if you work collaboratively with God through the course of your life, wisdom is the one thing in your life that just grows and grows and grows, and it's like a um, compound. I, I actually think of it a bit like this. Over the course of life, there's a compound interest or compounding effect of wisdom. So wisdom builds on wisdom. And you just know those people, don't you, who've spent a life walking closely with God, paying great attention to what's right and what's wrong and immersed in Scripture so they understand the Bible's view, immersed in the world. And, and these older people who, they're just the people you want to go to to ask for advice because you go, the interest, the, the wisdom is compounded in their lives so they just, they just exude wisdom. And you go, yeah, I want to I hear from you. So it's greater than wealth. Uh, that's what it says. Um, here's a contemporary translation of Romans chapter 12. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think becoming wise with our wealth uh, requires actually saying no to a lot of the voices in our culture, doesn't it? And we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. Like there's a lot that you've got to filter out and say no to that we shouldn't copy. So let's go, uh, this is a bit of a recap, but also a bit of a brainstorm. Let's just, off the top of your head, um, what are some behaviors and customs of our culture that if you are a person of faith, that if you really, you go, man, I want to follow Jesus seriously, what are some things that we shouldn't copy from the world, from, from our culture and, uh, and the, the behavior and customs of the world? What are some things you'd immediately go, I don't want to copy that? Pride in what we have. Yeah, great. Don't copy. Greed. Don't copy that. Sorry? Sexual immorality. Yeah, let's not copy that. We're thinking mostly about money, but that's a good one not to copy. And actually, often they, money and sex and power all work together. So yeah. Yeah, great. What else should we not copy? Excessive debt. Yep. We had, yep, excess any debt. We'll talk a bit about that. Debt for holidays, apparently. That's not good. Usury, which is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, usury. So actually, uh, if you have a position of power, using your power economically over somebody to charge them exorbitant interest rates in particular to take advantage of them financially because they're in desperate straits. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Mark. That's exactly right, yeah. Oh, boy, and that happens all the time, right? So, um, yeah. What else? What are some other things that we should reject? Paying your taxes. We should reject that. That is a custom and a behavior we should not do. We might need to stop the recording right now. As <laughs> what do you mean by that, Wendy? We should pay taxes. Really? Christians should pay taxes. Okay. Should Christians make every effort to pay as little tax as, pos- as legally possible? I hear absolutely. If it's legal... Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Don't give to Caesar what isn't his, but he'd like. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I, how aggressively should one minimize one's tax? So what was that, Rafe? Depends what you do with the savings. <laughs> I love it. The, <laughs> the, the, problem, the problem for most of us is there's not a lot of minimization you can actually do because we're not running multinational corporations where we can you know, transfer pricing and costs between tax jurisdictions. So there's not a lot. But, you know, okay, so pay tax. Don't, don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't steal. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. So, you know. And if you want to pay less tax, uh, advocate as a citizen to have a government where we pay less tax. Or if we think we should pay more tax. That's how... Okay, well, are there any other things? This is quite good. What else should we say no to? Bribery. Do you think that's a custom and a behavior that's common in our culture? 
yeah. In property, yeah. Oh, financial inducements that are hidden. Bottles of wine to premiers, for example, can getting a development application through uh, all kinds of things. Um, Yeah, that indi- like, like it's my money and I will do with it what I want. I'll get as much as I can and yeah, that's good. We want to reject that because we're part of a whole, right? Lying. Lying and misleading t- in order to get more money. That, yeah, you think that happens? <laughs> I think it happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Buying cheap stuff that's taken advantage of other people to get cheap. Yeah. Um, Fast fashion. So it's interesting. So um, we had this discussion at the 5 o'clock service. So Scott and Jane Newman, who are part of the church here for years, Jane runs a big chunk of bonds. She runs bonds. No, it's the company that Haynes has bought bonds. So she's in charge of all of the the Haynes stuff here. So she's right up to her eyeballs in fashion and clothing. And fascinating. Talk to her about supply chain issues, fast fashion, fraught with problems. I find it interesting. So many of us, our, our, our our moral high ground goes out of the window if we can get a good deal. Doesn't it? And, and it's complicated. So it's, again, going to Keelan's thing. You can't just think selfishly about what I do with my money because my purchasing decision has implications for garment workers in Bangladesh. And is that... So, that's, so we want to think about that, yeah? Favoritism. favoritism. So you, you just show favoritism to the rich or to people can help you become rich? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't know. It's hard, right? So I would yeah, I, I think the supply chain job creation is important. So I would always say, and, and this, this is where it's complicated, so even if you're, a, if you're a 12-year-old kid working in a garment factory in Bangladesh, you're still better off than that 12-year-old kid living as a subsistence on a subsistence farm in the rural areas. Like, you just are. Your, your, your health care, your health benefits, your life expectancy is going to go up, even though by our labor standards you're being exploited. Um, and and what's going to happen with digital and disruption of our whole world and uh, jobs? Yeah, it's complicated, eh? I don't know. That's slightly off the topic of the sermon, but gosh, it's fascinating. So we need wisdom. That's, we need wisdom because it's complicated, man. It's complicated. Okay, let's move on. So there's lots. So, so we've got to be different. There's stuff we've got to say no to. And, uh, and we've got to keep reminding ourselves to say no to these things because I don't know about you, but I find the pressure to conform on almost all of these issues is really quite, quite high, isn't it? Not so much bribery, but I'm sure if I had the opportunity, if I was in a business where that was rife, I would find that 
constantly upon me, as many people do. So you think about it, it's, it, the pressure is there on us all the time. So we've got to pursue wisdom. You've got to seek wisdom. That's part of why the, the vision of this church is to be a community where we work together to become more and more like Jesus, to have these conversations, to be honest. Um, I, I, I think one of the interesting things around wisdom for us is as we age, what do we do in retirement? Like, is there a Christian kingdom of God vision of what retirement is or isn't? Uh, and I, I find that fascinating, this idea that, um, well, what do you do? Like, you, I've seen people, I've seen some people whose view is, I've worked really hard so I can retire as soon as possible at 55 or 60, and then it's, it's just, this is my time. Like, literally, I had this conversation with this couple uh, a few years ago, and, they, and, and he was like, this is, this is for me. I've worked hard for 30 years, and this is now all about me. As, as explicit as that, you know, that's not a Christian view, is it? Retire, but yet, that's fascinating. Anyway, okay, so be wise. Pursue wisdom. Let's do that. The second thing to, to make space in our lives um, and to get wisdom is to make a plan. Now, I'm looking out here, and you guys almost by, we've almost self-selected in this demographic to be people who are pretty good at making plans, right? You, you pretty much wouldn't be here, you don't, you know, like, pretty much, though maybe not. Um, so plan, make a plan. Um, uh, here's the thing, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty, says the book of Proverbs. Uh, now, plan I, and work hard. That's actually a biblical view, right? And, uh, and it leads to prosperity. Does it always lead to prosperity? No. Nah. And that's one of the complexities of the book of Proverbs, right? That, um, that uh, you know, it says things like this. Uh, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. On the other hand, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So on the one hand, plan and work it all out. On the other hand, God will maybe do something entirely different in your life. Yeah. So I could say to you, and you all know this, make a plan, make a financial plan, and it'll all be brilliant. You go, no, 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 no. Mike Tyson's manager, um, uh, one of the greatest quotes I know of, uh, is, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's it, right? So we've all got a plan until we get punched in the face. Does that mean you shouldn't plan? No, you should plan. And by and large, if you plan, you're gonna, things are going to go better for you than if you don't plan. But you could still get punched in the face. I won't ask. I mean, I just... How many, I mean, I don't ask to have a show of hands. How many of us have been punched in the face by life or by, like most of us, man? Sickness, unemployment, problems with our kids, retrenchment, investments that go horribly wrong, gosh, divorce, you name it, stuff you didn't see coming, just bang. But, but you should still plan. 
Now, I have a thought around this, right? Um, what's the, I've been reading a book on resilience, a topic of the day, right? Everyone's in a resilience, and it's really important. Um, and so uh, a friend of mine is a professor of social work at the University of Johannesburg, and uh, we went through university together. He's a, he's a brilliant academic and researcher, and he's networked into this global collaboration studying young people who leave care, leave foster care in all kinds of uh, mostly developing world countries. And, and they've been studying uh, the outcomes, different outcomes for these kids. And part of this global study, there have been a, a subset of these academics looking at resilience in these kids, like 15 to 24-year-old kids growing up in extraordinary difficult situations. What makes the difference? Why do some succeed and others succeed, Right which is the same as saying, why, do some, why will some of us survive a punch in the face and others won't? The, the myth in our culture is the heroic person myth of resilience. That is, you can survive a punch in the face because there's something in you that is just strong and, and you're, you're future-oriented and you bounce forward or you bounce back or you bounce and there's just something internally magnificent about you, Right? And if you can just find, maybe you're an ENFP or you're some other kind of Myers-Briggs thing. The ENFPs are the ones like Jesus, just putting it out there. Um, you're something magnificent about you. And you know what their research shows? Uh, resilient people are supported people. The way to build resilience is by building external supports. The most resilient people are people who focus more on changing their environment than changing themselves. Okay, so, uh, and, and the examples are numerous. Uh, the resilience comes from your, from your social support. So make a plan. What's part of the plan financially is to make sure you've got the social supports around you so that when you get punched in the face, you can bounce back. So that's, and one of the things that's cited in their global resilience research is what kind of an institution do you think? What's a key source of support that builds resilience in people? The church. You know? So, uh, so let me tell you, it is wonderful. The fact that you all are here on a long weekend Sunday morning is, is building resilience in yourself for when you get punched in the face by life. Because there's 40 of us here who will gather around you to help you when someone in your family dies and you and you you know there's people here will take you in if you get booted out of your house because you go bankrupt like that's what churches do you know yeah we'll we'll yeah they do the, the data is clear globally this is what we do we we build i mean not perfectly but we do so it's wonderful hey so make a plan part of the plan is to Make a plan for when you get punched in the face and your plan doesn't work anymore. And that's by being deeply connected into a community like this and others. Make sense? Um, commit, and I love this. Commit your plan, your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Well, we make our plans, but God determines our steps. Uh, and then in the midst of this, one of the things that really is important and we're not very good at is saving for tomorrow. Now, I don't know how good you all are at this, 
But as a country, as a culture, we're very bad at saving. Um, we, we are massively indebted uh, as a community. And um, it's, it's a problem, right? It's a, it's a problem because uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, the problem is this, and we talked a bit about this. Um, hmm, this is what Proverbs says. Proverbs is full of great wisdom, right? The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. That's hard, hey? Now, it's, when, when putting a roof over your head takes up 40 or 50% of your income or more, that's, it's tough to save, right? Like, it's hard. I'm not, none of this is easy. I, I think the cost of housing in our, around the world globally is a, is a terrible burden for so many people and for many of us in this room. Um, but we need to save for the future. And, and let me put this in context, right? We are, when this was written, um, almost no one in the world managed to save for the future, like the, the ability to create surplus capital was uh, limited to a tiny fraction of people. So most people, and most of the people who read this, lived literally from hand to mouth as subsistence farmers. Like if the rains didn't fall for one season, half your village would die, right? So it took enormous energy to actually save for the future. Like it was really hard. It meant, for example, uh, in a season of good harvest, choosing to store some of your grain uh, and live a little hungry, even in a good harvest. Like that's how that's how important it was. It, you, you could all be well fed through this uh, through this summer, but because it's a good summer, you'll have you'll all go just a little bit hungry, so you can save for next summer when, in fact, maybe you'd starve to death if you'd eaten all the food that you had last summer. Like it's that, that, that's how important it is, right? If it was important back then, gosh, it's important for us now. Uh, most people don't save, um, and uh, we should focus on the future. Um, I, was, I didn't look, I didn't find it, um, because I only had this idea fairly last minute. Uh, there's, they've done this research on behavior change. Right? How do you modify your behavior? So they did this with um, things like smoking, but also with saving money. And they showed young people a photo. They, they, they showed young people you know, a photo of themselves now and, you know, and said, okay, here we go. Now are you going to save your money? Are you going to change your behavior? Not a lot of behavior change. Uh, then they ran those photos through an app that aged you. And you could look at a, you could look at a photo of yourself as a 60-year-old. And, uh, and then you could have a conversation with yourself as a 60-year-old. And guess what happened? People's behavior started to change. Because they could actually see themselves as the future self. Now, I, we've tried this in our family, and not, not with a photo app. And, of course, the comeback is, um, I don't want to do this now, but that's my future self's problem. <laughs> You go, well, you could, make, you, could re- you could help your future self out by making some decisions now, right? Um, they tweak the app and then add in, okay, if you keep on smoking, so here's you now, here's your unsmoked self. Now, if you keep on smoking, this is what your face will look like. 
suddenly, guess what? Rates of smoking start to decrease. People are highly motivated, you know? So you look at your future self. You go, here's your current self. Here's your future self if you save a bunch of money. Maybe, you know, and here's your future self if you don't. What does future self with unsaved money look like? Well, in our country, you're living on a pension. In other countries, you're living on the street. Even in our country, you could be living on the street. So you've got to save, right? Okay. So now here's the question. You're wise. You've got a plan. You're getting out of debt. You're going to save, right? How does, uh, how does all that work with generosity? Because aren't you feeling a little anxious now about your future self? I don't know. I do. I go, ah, oh, man, uh, what do I do? What do I do as a Christian with all of this? Uh, how do I, as a final point of being wise, how do I give to God? Why should I give to God? And, and I come back to, there's a quote here from, let's um, try to find it, uh, from uh, John Wesley, which I remember hearing years ago. You've probably all heard it. Um, here we go. Uh, and this encapsulates the paradox and the challenge of biblical wisdom with money. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And if you, like, that's fascinating, isn't it? Um, one of the reasons I love this quote, but it also frustrates me enormously, um, is in these complex areas, simple little rules don't work. Like uh, some people are really, some strands of the Christian church are really hesitant about making all you can. Like somehow being successful economically is not seen as an intrinsically good thing. I don't know if you, you know, like, oh, if you're rich, it's because you're a cheat and a liar and you've compromised your faith. You've done something, you know, like you get that. I don't, maybe, not, maybe not here in Balmain, but I've certainly uh, been around Christian folk and, uh, who deeply faithful who think there's something kind of wrong about being successful financially, making lots of money. Nothing wrong about with making lots of money. It's a God-given good thing. If you can make lots of money legally, man, I think that's a great thing to do. John Wesley thought that was a fantastic thing to do. The Bible thinks, thinks that's a great thing to do, to create wealth, right? Okay. Then you've got to save all you can. We've just talked about that. Okay, that's good. Then you've got to give all you can. Oh, well, what does that mean? How do, you, how do you balance making, giving, and saving? That's a challenge, isn't it? So, um, so the Bible has some, has some guidelines, just to put it out there. Uh, and the, 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 the first thing to say is, you, you give to God. You give to God. And you have to give to God. Why? Um, why do, you think, why do you think the first thing you've got to do is give money to, back to God? Why, why should we give to God? And doesn't he have enough? Because it's his to start with. That's right. Thanks, Jan. Everything is God's. He, we looked at that in the first talk, and you'll know it. We, we're just managers. We're stewards. So it's his to start with, okay? Uh, so he's given us a bunch of money. We're looking after it. We give some back to him. It's his to start with. Um, but... But whether we give it or not, it's still his. So why should we give it? Because we want to. Why would we want to do that? It's a reflection of our heart. What does it say about our heart if we give money to God? 
It's important to us. What does it say about our brains if we give money to God? <laughs> oh, we believe in him. Yeah, we think there's actually a God, right? Here's the thing, right? I reckon there are a few things that make me... There are a few things that translate my faith from an academic exercise as a set of ideas to actually a lived experience as given... That is, um, isn't that true for you? Like, uh, I don't know. You can, you can be part of a church. You can come to church. You can sing lustily. and oh, yes. You can go to a small group. You can study the Bible. You can do all of that stuff without really believing that God actually exists. Do you know what you can't do? I don't think. You can't actually give a chunk of your money away without actually believing God exists. I actually don't think it works. I, I, maybe it can for you, but you'd be nuts. The only reason I'm going to give my money away is because I actually really live as though God loves me and cares for me. He owns everything. He'll provide for me. He'll look after me. So what you might do is hedge your bets. You might, you know, and you might be like me. You put a little bit in the plate. You put a little bit in because you just, you know, that's what you do. But it doesn't really cost you. But when you give in a way that it starts to cost you in your time and your energy and your money, you're only going to do that because you actually think God exists. And, and for me, this is great because my giving shines a spotlight on my tendency to think of God as just an idea who may or may not be there, but essentially I just live my life pretty much as though he isn't. Does that make sense? Or am I nuts? So one of the reasons we give to God is because it is all his, all of that, but it, that practice of giving actually builds my faith because it challenges my faith. Because it makes me confront the fact that a lot of the time, I can I can I don't actually live in a way that God makes any practical difference. So um, I should give. Um, and uh, and the Bible's really clear. So Proverbs again: Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then He will fill your barns with uh, grain, and uh, your vats will overflow with good wine. Um, so honor God, right? And he'll look after you. Uh, or will he? Well, he, he will. He won't necessarily make you richer. I, um, I think it's part, of, it's part of building resilience for your future self. Because when you give money to God, what you are doing is you are... You're, you're setting yourself up to say my, your sense of self, your identity, your well-being is not determined by your wealth. So, for example, if you have a diminished amount of wealth, you lose a bunch of money. If you've had a lifetime of trusting God and being very, very generous, if you lose a bunch of money, it's not the end of your life. You go, oh, I've just got less money to give away. Uh, but it's not 
doesn't crush you. You're not going to fall into a, you know, a depression because of it. You're not going to do something illegal to try and get your money back. Because you're like, well, it's just money. And I know it's not everything. And I know it's just something that passes through. And, and I love God. And money doesn't have a hold on my life. And I've lived that way all my life. Um, so you're building resilience in your future self. And I'll tell you the other thing that will happen. And I've seen this. If you are a, a woman or a man who's, who's had a lifetime of Christian generosity, if you fall on hard times financially, you would be amazed at the Christian people who will come out of the woodwork to care for you and support you. You'd be amazed. So it's, um, it's not something you'd bank on, and you don't give generously to God now so that others will see how generous you are. But I have seen people over the years who have had a lifetime of generosity and then have fallen on very difficult times financially and in all kinds of ways, Christian people have come around them and have supported them and blessed them and it's been remarkable. So giving to God actually builds resilience in this broad spiritual and social network for your future self. Uh, and we give to God because God tells us to. Like This is the reading from Malachi, which uh, is, is an amazing reading. God's people are um, doing what God's people do, which is taking all his, taking every good thing he gives them and uh, taking it for granted and, um, and being greedy with it and uh, robbing God. The, I, the Lord, don't change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Yeah, okay. Thanks, God. A couple of things to point out. One, we're not a nation state of Israel. <laughs> so you gotta, you, you got to go, this isn't a direct, like, if I give money to God, I'm going to somehow get a great veggie garden growing out the back, right? It's a little more subtle than that. The principle is this. Uh, God gives us everything, and we are to honor him with giving back to him and sowing into his work. And, uh, and when we don't, we rob God of what is his. Uh, and what does he want? And so, the, the, you know, it's also not a, a recipe to say if you put in, if you put in a hundred bucks in the plate, you'll get a thousand back. God's not a, it's not a contract there. He's not like a slot machine or, a, you know, you don't put in just so you can get out. But God, there's this principle that has been tried and tested for thousands of years. That is that you can't outgive God. I've never met someone who has practiced a life of deep Christian discipleship, has tried to walk with God faithfully in all parts of their lives, in humility and in wisdom, making what they can, working really hard, planning for the future, saving for the future, and then being as generous as they possibly can, and being faithful in every bit of their life. I've never met someone like that who, uh, who at the end of their life 
goes, uh, it wasn't worth it. And I've met lots of people who've um, lived entirely for themselves and got to the end of their lives and gone, what the heck was all that about? So, you know, um, I think that this we give because it's good for us. God never asks us to do anything that is not good for us. Um, and I think one of the things we need to think about as a church is, is how do we release greater measures of faith in our lives so that we can be more generous with our money, with our time, with our talents. Um, you know, there's a, there is so much we can do as a church if we release more money into the system <laughs> to worship God, to bring others to know God. You know, I, I just think about this and I go, um, one of the problems we've had at church for, for many years at this church it's not true of every church, is we've had this idea, well, we're really blessed financially. We've got all these buildings and all this property income, and isn't that wonderful? You know, I don't know if you've been around Darling Street a while, you might have heard this. And at one level, that's true. Um, but I look at us and I go, well, is on a good Sunday, two, on a good Sunday, 180, 190 of us come to worship at church in our three congregations. There's 40,000 people around about us who, who don't really know God. And gosh, wouldn't their lives be better if they knew God? <laughs> That'd be good. How are we going to reach them? Well, not if we all just chip in 1% of our after-tax income and our after our overseas holiday income, for example. I don't think that's going to make a difference. It's not really going to move the needle. Our, just as an, our property income should really just pay for maintaining the property. Everything else needs to come out of our hearts, really. That's the only way we're going to move the needle and actually make a difference. Uh, which, of course, only makes sense if God actually exists. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> but if it's true, then that's what we should do, right? Give generously. I I, we live in a world where there's 42 million people in some form of slavery. We've got a partnership with IJM. You know, the IJM bu budget, for IJM Australia's budget this year is one and a half million dollars. IJM Global, their budget is about eh, 80, 90 million. So you've got 80 or 90 million dollars to try and uh, tackle 42 million people in slavery. We could do better than that. Just a thought. So, our beautiful kids are in. Hey, gorgeous kids. And everyone's thinking, thank goodness because it was just getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so this is um, where we finish. Give of your first and best to God. It's all God's to begin with. And trust in God. Like that's what it comes down to. Like it's just all of this is about trusting God and faith in God.